We're two years away. Why not start up the Giannis Antetokounmpo rumor mill? Stars are more spread out than ever, but that just means role players need to step up more. We have a list of 13 players that need to take a leap next year. It's the Wednesday Locked On NBA show. Let's go. You are locked on the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Wednesday hump day. We're here to get you through it. It's the Wednesday Locked On NBA show, and I am John Corrales. I co-host the Locked On Celtics podcast. You can find me on Twitter at RedsArmy underscore John. And I am Nick Angstead, the co-host of the Locked On Mavericks podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Nick Van Exit. Nick stepping in here for Jake Madison, who's not with us this week. The first thing up on the menu here, the Giannis Antetokounmpo rumors already starting. Thank you, Ramona Shelburne, who said on the jump, and they're just having this discussion. It's She says, uh, Warriors have always been a big threat to go after Giannis. So we have uh, Kevin Durant, the redux, where Giannis is the obvious big fish in free agency in 2021. And now all of a sudden we got the Warriors in it again. Uh, let's just, first of all, let everybody recover from the shock of like, no, no, this can't happen. <laughs> let's, let's let everybody get that out. Hopefully you didn't drive off, drive off the road or drop a weight on your foot if you're listening at the gym. Okay. So Nick, uh, what are the odds of this actually being something that they could pull off? Do you think? So you brought up Kevin Durant, and obviously if you think about that, like, oh, that actually happened. That was a pipe dream that really happened. The DeMarcus Cousins thing at the beginning seemed like a pipe dream that did actually come about. Now we know in hindsight that that one didn't turn out to be as big of a you know, mismatch in the NBA as, as it could have been on paper. But this is not the first time we've heard of a huge star being linked to the Warriors, probably from the Warriors' side. Obviously, Kevin Durant is the one that happened. Boogie kind of happened, too. Dwight Howard, if you remember a while ago, uh, when he was still in a, a decent prime of his career, was linked to them. They also had the thing with LeBron James for like a week, I think that happened, where we were just talking about, what if LeBron went to the Warriors? <laughs> just, blew, <laughs> just blew everyone's mind. I mean, I feel like every star has been linked to the Warriors, and I just wonder if Somebody in the front office or Bob Myers is just out there, just just throwing it out there. Just like, what would happen? You know, who's going to respond? What is going to happen? Like, waiting for maybe an agent to come back to him and be like, yeah, there's mutual interest there or something like that. The percentage, though, I don't know. There's so many teams going after Giannis. Uh, and two years is such a long time. I mean, if you can think about two years ago. So much has happened in the NBA. The Clippers are now the title favorites. I mean, two years ago, if we said that, that would just be ridiculous. They were, you know, losing all their stars. They had traded Chris Paul. They had, uh, traded Blake Griffin, I think. And it's just, it's wild what can happen in two years. But percentage wise, I don't know, 5%. Look, you don't have to tell me. I was at the Celtics season ticket holders event at before last season, about a year <laughs> ago. We'll say like 11 and a half months or so ago where Kyrie Irving stood in front of a crowd unprompted and said, I'm coming back if you'll have me. And now he's getting ready for Brooklyn Nets media day. So I am well aware of how things can change in a hurry. But the thing about Giannis, I mean, obviously everybody's going to start angling. Uh, if you notice this off season, 
teams that miss, like the Knicks are a great example. They missed on their big stars, obviously. They started signing guys to two-year contracts. Yeah. Whereas last year, everybody was signing guys to one-year contracts so they can get in on this mix. Now that everybody's doing the two-year contract so they can get into the mix for Giannis. Like that's the next big pool of free agents. I forget who else is available, but like I think Clay Thompson. No. Well, whatever. So other guys. LeBron, I think Paul George and Kawhi will both be available. Yeah, those guys are all there. Yeah, so there's a big, it's a big crop. So, um, there's, everybody's gonna make a run. So this is already the beginning of the angling. Uh, there are connections. Uh, the, uh, so Giannis has the same, uh, part of the same agency as Curry and the same actual agent as his brother Seth. So there's a little bit of a, back channel there. So you've got the obvious warrior saying, Hey, what's up? And you get the back channel saying, Hey, what's up? Uh, the thing about the summer of 21 for the warriors, I don't know how they're going to pull it off because if you look at the 21, 22 current contractual obligations, Steph Curry <laughs> is going to be making $45 million, $45.7 million. Clay will make 37.9, basically 38. Draymond, as uh, part of his new contract, will make 30, uh, 24. D'Angelo Russell, 30. Now, who knows what D'Angelo Russell, I don't think he's going to be there for that. But just with all of those guys, they're at 140 million. And the summer, uh, that season, the salary cap's going to be, according to Sham Sharania tweeted that out. 125. So they're already right now 15 million over the cap with those four guys. So it, they'll have to get creative if they're going to go get Giannis. Like somebody here is going to have to go. Obviously Russell seems like the obvious guy, but like, are they going to hold on to him until then in some sort of trade with the Bucks? I don't think so. No, no, it's just. It's just so hard, but they've, I mean, time and time again, players have proven if they want to make it happen, they can make it happen. And the, the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving thing you brought up, that, that kind of, man, that ruined some things, I think, for, for the NBA. Uh, anytime a player talks to somebody, we had the, the LeBron James, Lonzo Ball, you know, jersey over the mouth talking thing, right? And then, a, then a year later, he ends up on the team. Then you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving talking in the hallway at the All-Star weekend. Uh, and then they teamed up and now they were on a team together. Uh, so anytime Giannis talks to anybody now, if Giannis has one conversation, if Giannis is seen at dinner with, with Steph Curry, it's over. I mean, right. <laughs> these guys can't do anything even more now. Uh, it's just, it's going to be interesting watching how that happens. The salary cap thing is fascinating because, uh, in 2005, do you know what the salary cap was? Um, in 2005, geez, I remember looking this up. I want to say it was something like, 60 or 70 million dollars. Well, according to basketball reference, in 2005, it was 43 million. Oh, right, 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 right. I think I used that example recently <laughs> that Steph Curry was making less than the actual salary cap from like 15 years ago. It's like, wild. Like just like a couple million, like Steph Curry's salary coming up is about what the salary cap used to be. Like not that long ago. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, we have to, right, right. Like, I mean, uh, the cap spike was just ridiculous because it went, it wasn't it like 80 it was tw- something? It was tw- yeah, it was $20 million. It went yeah. up, which is wild. So that, that's unprecedented. Yeah, I'm kind of curious 
to see what happens. I don't, I don't know how long is left on this TV deal. I'm curious to see what happens because ratings have been okay, but they've, they've been dropping a little bit. Uh, last season, I think they kind of pinned it on LeBron not being in the East. Then he went out West and because people just, in fact, look, there's East Coast bias because there's a legitimate, like, when the stars aren't in the East, got, people go to sleep. And yeah. So there, there has to be a little bit of an East Coast bias that that's where most of the people are. And you, if you're just the business model is built on ratings, like, you know, the West Coast people are going to watch both games because they're on. East Coast people are going to be the ones that you need to cater to. That's why these games are starting a little earlier. They changed start times this year because of it. But I don't know. I don't know what that next TV contract is going to be. I'm kind of curious to see how that impacts things down the road. But that's not going to have an impact on Giannis. And Giannis, we haven't even talked about from Giannis's perspective. Like, what's it going to take for Giannis to want to leave? Now, I've been to Milwaukee. It's fine. There's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing like glamorous about Milwaukee. I'm not trying to, you know, crap on Milwaukee. It's wow. it's a, it's it's fine. Like, it's a fine. fine city. It's not New York. I've lived in New York. New York is great. There's tons of nightlife. There's something to do at all times. L.A. Same thing. The glamour cities, Miami, beach, always warm. Like that's, you got all of these appeal things. I mean, what's appealing about Milwaukee? It gets super, super cold. Um, you gotta have, you gotta be a certain type of person to be like, yeah, no, I'm good with this. I'm, I'm cool with this is, this is all I need. Uh, and I just wonder, like Giannis has said from the beginning that he wants to be there long term and Look, he come he comes from a different life. That life growing up in Greece where he hustled and didn't have much. Uh I'm Greek. I know exactly the life that he's talking about. I've been to where he he used to hustle. Um uh, Milwaukee's actually a little bit of a step up in some ways. So he he legitimately could just be like, you know, I'm cool with this. This is this is all I need. I'm not a fancy person. I don't need to be in LA in mansions. Like I'm cool with this. But at the same time, you see Milwaukee do things like let Mal- Malcolm Brogdon go and commit money to Eric Bledsoe. And you wonder, like, where does I'm cool with this kind of, like, not jive with the direction of the franchise? And and how important are these next couple of years for this franchise to say, all right, we've got to make sure we're building the right team around this guy? Yeah, it, it all depends on what happens in the next two years and maybe even just that that second year, right? I mean, it seems like decisions are made in that summer and you just kind of get a reaction. But I, I just think Giannis is different than, than a lot of the other superstars that we've seen. And after the Kawhi Leonard thing, after LeBron, after Kevin Durant for sure, and Kyrie, <laughs> all these players that have changed teams, I'm not going to pretend like I know what any yeah, right. of these guys are, are thinking. It's just so hard to try and – guess and speculate and there's certain things but Giannis is Giannis is a guy that tried to buy the old Milwaukee Bucks practice facility because he wanted somewhere to practice and play uh and then they were like hey you know you could just like build a gym you don't have to buy this one you don't have to buy like this huge one and uh he's just he's just different he's just a different kind of guy I think he's more low-key uh you know family kind of guy and so I, I don't know if he's into the whole you know big market thing but I I know that in Dallas, they would love to have him, and uh, they have space for him there. So, <laughs> I don't think there's a single team out there that wouldn't love to have him. Uh, we'll see what happens. Like he's a young guy, 
uh, he's, he's only just getting to, to where he wants to be as a player and he's got things that he can even add to his game. He's the MVP and he's got things he can add to his game a lot. So the next couple of years are going to be super interesting. So this is only the beginning of this conversation. We'll take a break because we're only at the beginning of this podcast. We've got the players who need to take leaps for their teams to win. It's a fun conversation. It'll span the next two segments. So stick around for that. Meanwhile, if you're looking for a workout and you can't find one that keeps you engaged, Peloton is an immersive cardio experience with real-time features that will always keep you coming back. You can get a 100 bucks off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home. Go to OnePeloton.com and use the promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, to get started. When we were talking earlier today, trying to figure out what the hell we're going to talk about in the <laughs> middle of September, you had a great suggestion for something that you had already kind of worked on. So why don't I let you kind of introduce the concept of this, the next two segments here? Yeah, I did a video. Uh, I worked for Free Dawkins, who, which is a YouTube channel that um, does highlights, the best NBA highlights out there. So subscribe to the Free Dawkins channel. But I do breakdown videos for them. Uh, and one of the ones that I did this summer was 11 players that need to take a leap next season. And so you can go check out that video. But the players that I'm looking at and the ones that I wanted to bring up are they're on all-star teams or they're on a, a playoff teams, like potential playoff teams. And the stars are now spread out so much that it seems like every big team kind of has a duo. And everybody has these two stars. You have LeBron and AD. You have, you know, uh, Kawhi and Paul George. You have, you know, Paul, uh, Kyrie and, and Durant. You have all these just duos all over the place. And so when you spread out the stars more, it just means that the guys underneath them need to step up even more because that has to be the difference. When you have two teams with you know two stars going head-to-head, it's the third guy that matters. It's the Siakam. It's the Clay Thompson. You know, the, When those guys can mm-hmm. be better than the other guy's third guy, that's when you know they get an advantage. So uh, the first guy I want to bring up is a guy I actually just did another breakdown video on is Kyle Kuzma. Uh, the Lakers roster is is fascinating. <laughs> so look, you try to figure out who's their starting point guard, who's their starting wings. Uh, it's just going to be really weird to try and figure out, is Kuzma even going to start on this team? But he is a guy I think that really has to step up and be a creator. LeBron is obviously a, a great creator. He's going to sit out some games. AD actually works better as a finisher than a creator. Last season, uh, 34% of his shots were unassisted. The season before, when he had the, you know, one of the best seasons of his career, it was 28% of his shots were unassisted. Uh, and so they need someone else to be able to create and to you know, create buckets when they need it down the stretch. Uh, and I think Kyle Kuzma kind of has to be that guy. I mean, he's he's an obvious choice when you're talking about the Lakers. The Lakers do need a third guy. Uh, I think – I'm really curious to see if he starts. I don't think he should because – especially like, the Lakers are not only in a weird position because of how they constructed this team, but also because of how their two stars are – acting and what they don't want to do like lebron <laughs> yeah doesn't want to be a four he wants to be a three or a point guard or whatever however they're going to use him but 
and and Anthony Davis doesn't want to be a five. He wants to be a four. Even though starting those two at the four and five would be awesome. That's exactly the way they should play. And I think LeBron James could play probably five, six more years if he just became a stretch four or even a stretch five for the rest of his career. But whatever. He's going to play how he wants to play as LeBron James. He's earned that right. See, see, I think the opposite of that. I think that he knows that he has to play on the wing. The wing where you don't have to bang as much. You don't have to go after rebounds as much that are contested. That's where you go down there and you get injured. I think that he wants to play wing more, and that's why. But I think they'll 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 end games with that lineup, right? I think AD at the five, LeBron at the four. So no, no they, they'll have to do that. So the the third guy there is is a big deal. I, I would might make an argument for Danny Green for needing to be that third guy just because of the defense and the shooting. Uh, if he can keep his shooting anywhere close to what it was last year, then, then that really, really helps the Lakers a lot. But in the, in the context of taking a leap, taking a big step forward, having Kuzma take a step forward would be really good because he's going into that third year. Uh, his three point shooting dipped a lot last year. If he can get back up, to the 36% that he was shooting his rookie year, uh, then that changes a lot. And if he can get into the flow of things, and if they're using him as a, a guy off of the bench, then I think having him come in second units, carrying the team when you're not using both Davis and LeBron James would be gigantic for the Lakers, especially when you consider that those both those stars that they have should probably play a little bit reduced minutes in the regular season. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I think Kuzma is a prime guy for this. And if he takes a leap, then, I mean, they're, yeah, they're sure. title contenders for sure. The, the next player on my list was uh, Ivita Zubac. I think that he's probably going to be the starting center for the Clippers, which is kind of interesting. But he he may have the easiest job besides his one-on-one matchup. I think he may have the easiest job in the NBA because – his uh, perimeter defense is going to be Patrick Beverly, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, uh, maybe Mo Harkless, maybe Jamichael Green. Uh, he's just there's just not going to be a lot that gets through that. Right. Uh, but he has to take a leap in a different way. He has to be a, a better finisher, better rebounder, uh, rim protector. Uh, if he can take a leap for the Clippers team, that that might be almost bigger than than Kyle Kuzma for the Lakers because they they need somebody like that. And Montrezl Harrell is going to play a lot of. You know, minutes down the stretch, but if they can get that center, that starting center position, if they can, you know, hit on that, then that'd be huge for them. Yeah, I mean, he's the only seven footer on their roster right now. He's, I, I haven't seen a guy with as much buzz around him that's. I don't know, unwarranted. I don't know. People just <laughs> love Zubox. Like my oh, God, it's the Lakers. It's the Lakers fan effect. They yeah. Lakers fans love. They well, they oh my God. maybe. Maybe more than like their stars. Lakers fans love the 10th, 11th, 12th, 15th, 17th now man. They love that guy. I, I can remember so many of them growing up as a Lakers fan that you're just like, man, if this guy can just hit, you know, <laughs> they would just be awesome. The Darius Johnson Odoms, the Adam Morrisons, the, you know, the, the guy, the Josh Powells, like the guys like that, you just get obsessed with these guys. Uh, but so he kind of has a little bit of that to him. Uh, but he, I mean, he's going to be the starting center. So th- there's some, some, Warranted stuff in there. They also had that, uh, that center they drafted, Fiondu Cabangeli, who's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, he could be like a three and D kind of center, which could be interesting, but, uh, I think Zubach will start to begin with. But yeah, yeah, I thought he was an interesting name. He's definitely an interesting guy. I mean, it, it, it's definitely a case of so many other guys and so much other talent on there that 
if he steps up, like if any other guy steps up, then that would be big. But th- I mean, that's a weakness for the Clippers and the size and having a big center. If he can get in there and rebound and block some shots and, and be, uh, productive in that way and just, just clean up whatever overflow comes along when Kawhi drives or Paul George drives and two, three guys go in their direction. If he can just kind of be there to catch a pass and dunk a few times, then that'll, that'll be a big deal. It'll almost be kind of like the Clint Capella effect in Houston. And speaking of which, that's the third guy on the list is, uh, is Clint Capella with Westbrook and Harden. These are two guys that take advantage of rim rollers so much. They, they run the pick and roll to death and they can run that with Capella. And if he can just, I mean, if he becomes, you know, something something different for that team, that could change a lot. He's also going to have to defend the rim a lot more. Uh, Chris Paul is aging. He's kind of on his way out now. But Westbrook may play uh, very different defense than Chris <laughs> Paul does. Uh, Westbrook takes a lot of chances. I think he led the league in deflections, or he was, like, top five in deflections per game. Uh, so he's really trying to go out there and take a lot of risks, and Clint Capella's going to have to clean up a lot of that because James Harden does the same thing. Yeah, that that's going to be an interesting dynamic there. Clint Capella is a super interesting player. He, he's a guy that for a couple seasons ago was – at the at the top of the league, I think in field goal percentage and just a crazy finisher. But if those lanes aren't quite the same for um, Harden or Westbrook, then is it going to be too crowded for Capella? And on the other side of things, what's Westbrook going to do to like Capella's rebounding numbers and <laughs> and because you know what Westbrook does, man. He chases those rebounds. He wants those triple doubles. Is that going to frustrate Capella at all? Like, he's, if he can still, if he can be the classic Capella, then great. I don't know. I don't know. Like, Houston is so weird to me. Like, they can be awesome. Like, they could be a top two seed. Or things can go weirdly wrong. And, and I think Capella's at the center of that. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah, he, he definitely is. Uh, I think with rebounding, I think with this Rockets team, there has to be some measure of buy-in with the James Harden effect. To play James Harden's ball, you have to be able to buy in. And so this is just one more thing that he'll have to buy into if Westbrook does end up being, you know, the same Westbrook. We've never seen Westbrook outside of OKC. Uh, he got real comfortable there. There's been a lot of reports of, you know, he would get frustrated if somebody was in his parking spot. You know, there's just certain things that he just got very accustomed to, and that's a very small example, but there's certain things like that that if he's now out of that and now at a different team that where he's not necessarily the top guy, it's James Harden's team still, and he's not, he hasn't been there his whole career. He doesn't know every – he was the longest tenured player in the NBA when Dirk retired, and so now – or for one team. And so now when he's on a different team, it's kind of going to all change. So maybe some of those habits that we've seen Westbrook pick up over the last couple of years, maybe he was, um, maybe he, well, I can't think of the word. Maybe he was just given too much and he's given, enabled. He's, he, enabled, exactly. He was enabled enough in OKC to be able to, to do some of those things. So maybe we'll see a different Westbrook, but either way, I think Capella really has to step up. I think also enabled is Ben Simmons, who is just, his absolute refusal to take jumpers and threes. Uh, I think Philly's just kind of 
let him slide on that, and they let them slide on that for too long. And the reason I transitioned into that because he's fourth on your list here. Exactly. Uh, ben Simmons is the, this this Sixers team has changed so much. I mean, it's a revolving door of of talent just coming in and out. We've had we've seen three or four different iterations of this team over the last two years, really. <laughs> I mean, they they change mid season all the time, and so now you have Al Horford and, and Joel Embiid. And they're, both of them can hit threes, uh, to an extent, but they're not just going to stand out in the corners and allow, you know, Ben Simmons to operate in the middle. He's, Ben Simmons is going to have to start creating on the outside a little bit. Um, doesn't mean he's going to have to start launching threes and averaging a five a game and, you know, do all that stuff, but he's going to have to be at least a threat because the spacing on this team is just going to be tough. Yeah. That, that's, I think no matter what with Philly, if, Simmons is just not a shooter, doesn't become a threat at all, then their biggest problems don't change. It, they run through Simmons and Embiid all the time. And the, the, like the biggest thing that, that Philly's got going for them right now is that Al Horford's on their team. Like I think they paid half of Horford's salary just to get him off the Celtics so he wouldn't have to face <laughs> Embiid. He was the one guy that could guard yeah. Embiid. So, but that, no, no matter what, Embiid still tends to get tired at the end of games, and if he doesn't s- fix that, and Simmons doesn't get that jumper, like the a Simmons jumper is such a game changer, more of a game changer than even like a Giannis jumper, because it it opens things up, it makes him unguardable. I've seen the Celtics just so sag off of Simmons that they're like six feet off of him and he still refuses to shoot that shot. And that takes away that takes away two players. It takes away Embiid and Simmons. And if there's if he's gonna do that, then it's gonna fall on other people to step up and become like the stars. Like is Tobias Harris ready to do what Jimmy Butler did last year in the playoffs? Like that that puts a lot of pressure on other on other players. So Huge pressure. Uh, Giannis, complete, Giannis, uh, hit 69.3%, uh, from field goals that were eight feet or closer last year. That's like an all-time mark. Uh, Simmons was at 61.6%, uh, shots within eight feet of the rim. Uh, so he's not elite. You have to be elite. Like that's almost 10%, 10 percentage points higher. Uh, if you're gonna be a guy that doesn't have a jumper like that, and Giannis even has, you know, a, a decent jumper. He was hitting like, 35% the second half of the season from three. Uh, but if you don't have a credible jumper, you have to be an elite player inside. Uh, and I just don't think that the, the Sixers have the, the space for that. And so to be able to create on the outside, yeah, it's going to put a lot of pressure on Tobias Harris. Josh Richardson is going to be a lot of pressure. And, and J.J. Reddick's gone too. I mean, yeah. this team all of a sudden is just turned into like an old school, like a weird <laughs> Showtime Lakers team, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. Like if they had the rules back then, then they, this team would be awesome. But it's just not the same. It's going to be interesting. We'll take a break. We're going to come back to finish off this list. A reminder: the NFL is back. We are a couple of weeks into the season. If you're an NFL fan, there are NFL podcasts. Your favorite team has a podcast. There's also Locked On NFL and Locked On Fantasy Football. So check those all out where podcasts exist.
back on our list, and uh, I'll take this one here because number five is my guy on the Boston Celtics, Jason Tatum. And I just know that having watched him from t- on Team USA and some of the progression that he's made in his game, when you talk about taking a leap forward, I, I, I did see in the, the few games that he played a few of the things that we're looking for. Like the big for Tatum to take a leap forward, he's going to have to drive effectively. Last season in Boston, when he drove, he lost the ball way too often on his drives. This this off season in the tournament, we saw him actually control the ball all the way up to the rim and and drop the ball off and make some passes, which was nice. He didn't finish at the rim quite uh, at a high enough percentage that you know an acceptable percentage. I'm curious whether the FIBA rules that allowed a lot more physical play were uh, part of that and whether he got frustrated by that and tried some goofy finishes because he definitely tried some goofy finishes <laughs> in FIBA. But if Tatum can drive and be effective around the rim and hold on to the ball, that's going to mean more free throws, which he doesn't generate at all. It's like taking two or three a game. If he can do that and score four points more from the free throw line and get a couple more assists on drive and dish or drive and kicks, then that, that will be the leap forward that Jason Tatum makes. And if he does that, then this Boston Celtics team becomes much more dangerous. Absolutely. And the next guy on the list is, uh, is Jamal Murray. And the same kind of goes for him is that if he takes that next level, then Denver changes from just a really good team, you know, like a team team that they play good team basketball to the team that actually has legitimate two stars on their, on their team. Uh, in the regular season, Jamal Murray, um, 0.82 points per possession on isolations in the playoffs that went up to 1.36. He really stepped it up. Yeah. In the playoffs on isolation, you could just tell that he could just he could get his own shot uh, in that in that playoff series against the Spurs. And uh, if he can start doing that during the regular season, start being more effective there, then that's just going to change so much for the Nuggets. It really would. I mean, I, I guess you can say that of every every one of these guys. We're talking about guys that are okay, okay to good, and, but if they really take a leap forward, then that's going to be gigantic. Um, the only pushback I would have on Murray is that. While the leap you're talking about would change the entire dynamic of the Nuggets, they don't need him to take that leap as much as other teams need their their guys to take a leap. I think because the Nuggets are very deep and have guys like Harris and who knows if Will Barton can stay healthy. And obviously the big question mark is what can Michael Porter Jr. be? And if if those three guys come through and if Michael Porter Jr. lives up to any sort of the promise – then, I mean, I know they just gave Jamal Murray a ton of money, but even if he doesn't take a leap forward, Denver can still be pretty good. For sure, for sure. Uh, another guy that, you know, that his team can still be good, but if he takes a leap then there's something different is Rodney Hood. Uh, the Blazers, <laughs> the Blazers made a really weird, made really weird decisions this, this summer to me. Uh, and I'm not sure I really like their team anymore, but they got rid of, Mo Harkless and Al Farouk Aminu. Al Farouk Aminu got paid by the Magic. Uh, Mo Harkless was sent off to Miami and then eventually now to the Clippers. And so now Rodney Hood is probably their starting three, I guess. He, play, he played a lot in the playoffs. Maybe they'll start Kent Bazemore there. But Rodney Hood's the one guy that still has some upside that I think if he can 
start becoming what everyone hoped he was going to be when he first came into the league, then you know that changes a lot for the Blazers this season. I, I feel like Rodney Hood is sliding very nicely into the Jeff Green mold. <laughs> That's and, not a good thing. No, this is like <laughs> where Jeff Green, uh, like the teams talking themselves into Jeff Green. All are, the Jazz fans. Yeah, it's now it's like teams talking themselves into Rodney Hood. Same type of thing, same type of guy. Not quite the same athleticism or same type of game, but like it's the consistency. It's just like, oh man, this guy's got so many tools, and Rodney Hood's got so many tools, and we've seen him be good. We've also seen him be very, very bad, and so uh, he had his moments for sure for Portland, but like he was, uh, I mean, in when he was playing <laughs> for Cleveland. I thought his career might be over. So, um, yes, if he can take a step forward, that would be huge. I feel like we're going to be saying that for the next six years, and <laughs> it's going to be for, like, four different teams. He's going to be 35. We're like, all right, if he can just take that yeah, step forward. Right. He's going to play for every team in the NBA so every team can talk themselves into Rodney Hood once. The Spurs uh, all of a sudden have – a bevy of guards. They they just had zero guards for forever. They, it was only like Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili. Now all of a sudden they have all these young guards. Uh, and two of them are on this list, the next two, uh, DeJounte Murray and Derek White. I put them both on this list. Derek White just played in, in the FIBA uh, World Cup with Greg Popovich as the coach. DeJounte Murray is now coming back from injury, but he was second team all defense two years ago. These are guys that have a lot of upside, and I think if they can become – the backcourt of the future for the Spurs. I think it changes the calculus for this whole San Antonio team. Because right now they're kind of blah, right? I and mean, Nobody's excited to watch DeMar DeRozan and um, LaMarcus Aldridge jack up mid-range shot after mid-range <laughs> shot. But you have these two guys that can actually be exciting and, and make stuff happen. Yeah, no, I, I think the Spurs' future, I know they're very excited about those guys in, uh, in San Antonio. Uh, you're right. I mean, they've got... Lonnie Walker is there is very yeah. interesting. You know, they're they're excited about Brent Forbes. Forbes. You know, like they they have a ton of really good players. I mean, you know that some combination of these guys, like you can't have all of those guys be good. Like at some point they're going to flip one or two of those guys to to fill out their front court whenever the uh, the experiment, the, you know, yeah. the DeRozan thing ends and the Aldridge thing ends and Aldridge goes, you know, crying back to Portland or whatever. Wow. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm Some sorry. contempt. No, it's, I, I don't, it's not even like, whatever. I, I have no reason to dislike LaMarcus Aldridge. I don't dislike LaMarcus Aldridge. It's just not Aldridge. fun to watch. It's just, it's just like, come on. I, 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 that's a, that's a whole other thing, but whatever. It's fine. Um, at some point that backcourt for San Antonio is going to flip into a nice front court for some team that's got a bunch of wings slash forwards, it's going to be a nice little like they could they could probably talk to the Pacers right now and figure some things out. Yeah, that's a good one. But um, I, I I do agree that that the White Murray combo is a a very interesting dynamic combo that could really help carry uh, San Antonio and and really be a nice complement to the mid-range game that we've seen too much of. I mean, the thing about the Spurs, man, they were such a good three-point shooting team. They just didn't take any during games. Like, they, they, they need these guys to come up and just start firing threes. Yeah, and another combo, I think, for a, 
probable playoff team this year that wasn't last year is uh, Justice Winslow and Bam Adebayo. These are two young guys on the Heat. All of a sudden, they introduced Jimmy Butler in the mix. And if if anything, these two guys just need to stand up to Jimmy Butler. <laughs> if, because if they collapse under the pressure like an Andrew Wiggins, uh, like, you know, I guess not, it didn't really happen in, in Philadelphia as much, but then towards the end, I mean, if, if they can stand up and if they can, if they can play well and play nice with Jimmy Butler and, you know, make it a good fit, then that, that's going to be huge for them. But these two guys are now thrust in the starting lineup. Whiteside is gone, so I think Bam Adebayo is a clear starter. Justice Winslow was playing full-time point guard towards the end of the season. And so now with Dragic coming back and Dragic was essentially traded in the minds of, of, of Miami Heat, uh, front office and now he's back. What does that do for that team? Uh, it's just as Winslow just slide back to that three. Um, so what happens to that team? But these two guys are, are fascinating to me going into the season. Yeah. Winslow is a, a unique kind of player and, and a guy with so much promise. He just, and just hasn't quite found the footing there and it hasn't been able to stay completely healthy either, obviously. So, I mean, if he can, like, Again, the Celtics perspective, Danny Ainge mortgaged, was ready to mortgage his entire future. Yeah. He was ready to give up a ton of picks. That was the Frank Kaminsky draft that the Charlotte, Charlotte yeah. Hornets <laughs> passed on a, oh, man. a boatload. Like Jason Tatum wouldn't be a Celtic. Jalen Brown wouldn't be a Celtic. All of those picks that they've, Celtics would have been figuring out Justice Winslow. Uh, but nobody, nobody bid on that. Uh, It'd be nice to see him kind of find his his groove. I think Bam Adebayo has so much promise. I mean, yeah. that dude can do just about everything on the floor. I think the question for him is, can he put it all together? And he's obviously going into his third year, but he's got a ton of talent I mean, he can block shots. He can he can rebound. He's he get a couple of like, if you give him thirty five minutes a game and he can really put it all together and want to go out there and play, he can be I think a really special kind of front court player. So if he if he does what he shows flashes of consistently, then yeah, Miami really can look good. They can definitely look good. Another guy that has shown flashes, uh, but we're not sure if he can put it all together <laughs> consistently is, uh, your former guard, your former, <laughs> sixth, your former sixth man. Terry Rozier. Oh boy, Terry Rozier. This is, this was your addition to my list. My list was initially 11 and you added two guys that I think are warranted. Yeah. Uh, Terry Rozier, if he takes a leap, I mean, that changes a lot, but. Uh, I mean, he's just going to get all the opportunity he wants in Charlotte, and so we're going we're gonna to see it. We're going to see if Terry Rozier has, you know, the the conference finals Terry Rozier or the last season Terry Rozier. Which one are we going to see? Well, that is an excellent question because uh, we don't know. Uh, it, we've seen that Terry Rozier as a starter has generally been pretty good. His his splits as a starter are uh, significantly better. He scores. Uh, f- but he's obviously playing more minutes, but, uh, his usage rate is higher. His offensive rating is 10 points higher. His defensive rating is better. His field goal percentage, his true shooting percentage as a starter is 52.4% versus 48.5%. Uh, his three point shooting as a starter is 39.6% versus 34.4. Now granted, he's only started 30 games for, for the Celtics. Uh, this is all regular season stuff, but, in Boston, we know starter Terry has generally been good Terry. Last season, 
with the with the uh, contractual stuff. Clearly, there was uh, some other stuff weighing on his mind. He can go out there and and be fairly good. There's no doubt about that. The one thing that's going to make him take a leap is efficiency. He is not an efficient shooter at all. His field goal percentage is generally pretty low. <laughs> it takes him a while to get going. Dude shot 38.7% from the field last year. So that's bad. His effective field goal, field goal percentage was 47.7% last season. That's very, very low for a guard that's going to handle the ball a lot. But if he can get efficient, if he can just – now he's got a contract, he's got a definitive role – Maybe, just maybe, Charlotte, who's getting deservedly a ton of crap for letting Kemba go, but then giving Terry Rozier a bunch of money, maybe some of that can just kind of ease off if he can be more efficient. The last player, the last addition, is a guy that's now going into his sixth NBA season, which is wild to think about. He's only going to be 24 years old. Maple Jordan himself, Andrew Wiggins. Do we know the Andrew Wiggins, or have we yet to see the real Andrew Wiggins yet? Uh, I, I feel like at this point we've seen him, right? Like he is who he is. Uh, but at 24, like in my head, I at 24 I say no, he's he's still got three years before he really reaches his prime. But it's not the prime that really is the issue. It's the head. That's the issue and the decisions and the types of shots that he takes and the assertiveness and all of that stuff. Like maybe as he gets older, that stuff will come. But I feel like your personality is your personality and you're either an aggressive person or you're not. You're either the person like this is your game or it's not. And I, I still hold out some sliver of hope. But it is fading. I mean, we made the Jeff Green comparison before. Like, oh boy, this is this is <laughs> right there with it. With it's the one, it's a more talented Jeff Green because he obviously can score the ball when he wants, and when he really wants to pour it on, he can be dynamic. It just never happens for him. Yeah, and this is a guy that came into the league with with I think with Kevin Garnett on his team, or at least the second year. Uh, so he knows like the intensity needed to be really really good in this game. And to be really, really good in this league. He's seen it modeled for him. He's, he, you know, and I, I think the prime thing also does go with the head. We, we've heard from like LeBron James and we've heard from other players that you hit your prime and you, you, you know, you get so much smarter in the league. Uh, and you just wonder if, if Wiggins has been, you know, trying to learn as much as he can or if he's going out there and just using the physical tools that he's been given because guy, guy can score anywhere he wants, but it's just the efficiency and a lot of that comes with just, Knowing the game better, knowing the game plan better, uh, and maybe you know a full year going into Ryan Saunders's tenure, maybe that starts to put together for Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of always the thing, right? You're always just asking, like, can Andrew Wiggins do this? And we don't I, know. We, we I don't hope know. But so. this is definitely a player that if he can take a leap, if he can become more efficient, actually show some of the flashes on defense we saw in college, and I know it's just one more, like if he can do this, if he can, it's yeah. like the Ben Simmons jump shot thing, if he can do this, uh, then, I mean, the Timberwolves should be a playoff team. I hope so. I just, I honestly legitimately hope so. Like, I hope they can figure it out. Like, I just want Minnesota to be good. 
I want I want that to work. I want Carl Anthony Towns to be the beast that he's supposed to be. I want that I want that entire team to figure it out. Like enough they they're they're making the changes in the front office. They've solidified their coaching. They've got talent. Just let's start realizing some of that promise because those two guys they should have a duo that's on a par with all of these other duos. We should be including Wiggins and Towns amongst these other duos. We're yes. clearly not for very obvious reasons. I put Robert Covington in there above him as the duo. Yeah, like, but it should be. We should absolutely be at a point, if things were going the way they're supposed to, where you go, wow, Wiggins and Towns, man. <laughs> that That's dangerous, deadly. They can be deadly. I want them to be deadly. Deadly is the time of this podcast. We have gone... <laughs> Way over on time. So uh, we're going to have to wrap that up now. Apologies to those of you who have to listen to this in two parts. But we hope you've enjoyed it. It's a nice mid-September discussion. Uh, we are still daily on the Lockdown NBA podcast. So subscribe to the Lockdown NBA wherever podcasts exist. Give us that good rating of five-star review. Tell everybody they should be listening to the Lockdown NBA podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network.